Hey guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio, but when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, mfceo.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. Welcome to the Big MX Radio podcast brought to you by Fly Racing as well as Medterra CBD. You can go to medterracbd.com right now and enter discount code BIGMXRADIO15 and save 15% off every single time you get the best CBD products in the world at medterracbd.com. With me on the line, he's an absolute supercross superstar. Goes by the name of Mason Kerr. Mason Kerr, how's it going? I'm doing great, Brad. How are you? Hey, not doing too bad. Uh, it's been a long time coming. We finally get this podcast rolling. I know... Uh, uh, I've been talked. I've talked to uh, my good friend Garrett Schlegel over at uh, PrivateerLife.mx. He's been like, I think for at least a year. He's like, you got to get Mason on the show. The kid's got a personality. He's got uh, the. He's got a great story. And uh, and the reality is, in motocross, everybody's got a story. Everyone's got something that people can really connect with. And you're certainly one of them. Uh, but for those who don't know who Mason Kerr is and uh, follow your your. your uh, social media and, and your career as closely as uh, as as most of us do. Um, give us some particulars. Who the heck are you? Uh, yeah, my name's Mason Kerr. Uh, I've been racing since I was six years old. Um, I didn't really have the typical big amateur story like a lot of guys do. You know, okay. I, I made it to Loretta's one year when I was in the B class. More um, than I ever did. Yeah, that was the, the the one time I ever did, and I actually kind of got burnt out on riding after that. So I quit for a couple of years in high school. Fantastic. And then I got back down or got back into it, and ended up getting my outdoor license. And uh, I tried one year of that, and I, I didn't really have any success at all. So I decided I was going to go after my Supercross card, and I had this great idea that I was going to get right in and ride out of Arena Cross like. Uh, like some of those factory kids do, you know, they get their license right away and head straight to the to Supercross. Um, but I actually ended up sticking with Arena Cross for, for three seasons because it took me a while to get, get the hang of it. Um, and I really started enjoying it. And then the, the, se- the last season that they had it, I, I was really starting to put in some good results and, you know, make some money and, you know, the things that we're supposed to do as pro motocross racers. And, they pulled the rug out from underneath me, you know, they, they took the ax to it. So fair enough. I decided I, you know, I got my points that season. So I decided, you know, why don't we try Supercross? Um, I've got a great sponsor, Mike Carey, um, from team Carey. And we, we put a program together and got a bike, a couple bikes. And yeah, it was, had some fun this last season, Supercross. That you did, absolutely. Uh, coming through the ranks a little bit uh, different than most, but still the same result. And uh, and you had some success this season, uh, a whole lot better than you did uh, uh, as your with your efforts going outdoors. I feel um, I think uh, you'd agree that uh, like you sort of built momentum throughout the year. I think uh, earliest in the season we saw you miss a couple of night shows, and then by the end of it, you were uh, it wasn't where if you're going to qualify, it was where you're going to qualify uh, into. Uh, the uh, the night shows and stuff like that, and I know you 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 also got some good starts and were up there in a couple of the heat races and LCQs. Um, what were what what some of the uh, biggest life lessons and sort of the the things that you learned along the way uh, throughout this summer 
or throughout this winter rather, uh, to sort of get those qualifying laps down and uh, and make the best of your opportunities in the B practice and uh, and make those that sort of stuff happen. Um. Yeah. I, I at the beginning of the season, I really my only expectation was to to make the night shows. Um, I didn't really have a whole lot of preparation this year before I was able to um, go out there for Minneapolis. I got like three weeks down at South the border training facility. Um, and I actually had a few bike issues during that. And so in a very detrimental time that I really needed to be putting in laps and, and testing, I was kind of messing around with my bike. Um, so, you know, we, it definitely wasn't anything to write home about or nothing like that, you know, nothing, no great or, or crazy good results. Um, yeah, it's what I expected. Um, I, you know, putting it in, putting in one lap and qualifying for the night show isn't all that difficult. Um, and I found myself out in those heat races and I was just struggling to keep the pace for more than a couple laps. So I definitely, I've got some things that I need to work on for next season as far as cardio, um, getting my bikes and stuff figured out before the first round comes around, you know, cause I was, I was kind of chasing the ball, um, with that, trying to figure out settings and stuff like that on race day yeah, um, or leading up to race day. So it wasn't really ideal, but, um, like I said, my expectations were night shows and thankfully for supercross, we get paid for making a night show rather than arena cross having to make a main. Um, so yeah, it was, it was good. I, I learned what the tracks were like, how they prep the tracks, how the tracks break down. Um, I learned a couple people that I could follow in the B practice that I knew were, were upper tier riders um and i could you know kind of chase them around and watch what they were doing and see if i could pick up on any of that you know for sure and and you were able to uh get incrementally better throughout the year uh i definitely feel like uh you were best served by being in those b practices and and figure out who you could follow where those hot lines were going to be and uh and we saw your qualifying times get uh, more and more competitive throughout the uh, the the year. Um, what's going to be the X factor for you next year? To uh, not like now that you know, I think a lot of you guys need to almost do it like kind of like stepping stones first to get into the night shows. Then now you're in the night show. Now you got to figure out how to way to to be a competitor in that LCQ. And after after you get in through a few LCQs, then you get start to really start to uh, be a competitor in those heat races. And that, that's how you sort of like start to build forward. Um, you, you'd mentioned working on some cardio stuff like that, like, um, and sprint speed. Uh, what are some of the things that you're going to be working on? Uh, obviously probably closer to next fall when you get back on a supercross track, what are some of the things you're going to work on so that, uh, next year, given the opportunity, if you happen to pull a good start, you're going to be able to hold the pace with those boys. Yeah. You know, it really is all that just getting things figured out beforehand, um, this season, I didn't really, I I pretty much worked um, dragging tree brush for a tree company around here um, from August until the end of December when I was finally able to leave home and get down to south of the border for a a month or two uh, or a a couple weeks. And so it's just, it's just mainly having things prepared beforehand rather than uh, scrambling to get things figured out right before the season. Um, I know that sprint speed is what it's all about when it comes to the heats and stuff like that and LCQs. And once I, once I'm able to hold a good 
five, six, seven lap pace, um, then I don't think that I'll have any problem making it into the main event. I think I've got the tools that I need and I've got all the support behind me that I need. Um, but yeah, now it's just on me to, to get things rolling a little quicker. Um, last year we had some pretty bad weather, um, August, September and October, and then everything was frozen here in Iowa. So I didn't really get a chance to ride my, I've got actually got a super cross track built here at my house. So no big deal. Um, I didn't get, didn't get much of a chance to, to ride that. Um, before it froze so yeah it was almost all kind of done late for nothing um, because you know how it gets um, up where you are when it comes to cold weather and yes, when they freeze and yeah it's not a whole lot different down here we get them them northern winds from you guys blowing down here no problem so, yeah I just we like to, to share just need to get get things a little figured out a little better there are some kids who can jump right in and you know it takes them one or two shows to to get into a main event and they've, you know, they've got it figured out. Um, but I just, just didn't really have it figured out this year. Um, and I was completely content with that. I, uh, knew that even if I were to be able to squeak into a main event, if I were to get lucky enough like that, I didn't really belong there as far as, as my pace, I'd be a, almost a hazard out there after five or six laps, <laughs> you know, because okay. you get so tired. Yeah. So, no, I get so you. gnarly out there that, that, yeah. So, I don't know. I was content with, with how I did this season. Um, obviously you always would like to do better, but, um, you gotta be a realist when it comes to the position that a lot of us privateers are in. Um, and I think a lot, a lot of the guys out there, they, they kind of lied themselves, you know, um, where they expect to be or where that when they're doing interviews like this or whatever, they just, they kind of got, unrealistic expectations um and i Fair like enough. to you know i like to i like to think that that i got it i know what i need to do i just need to get it done you know no doubt you are a realist and i think you're totally right that's the, that's the right approach uh i find a lot of guys and i think who, who i talked to i think it was uh uh bubba Pauly who he made his first main event and uh same thing with logan Carnell uh from last year like you get into the main event you put that sort of getting in there on such a pedestal, uh, but until you get in there, uh, you don't really realize what that whole scenario is really like, especially the fact that uh, if you do get in through the LCQ, uh, a lot of the guys you're racing against uh, are, are more rested, they're more ready, and they're, they've been through a lot more uh, of those than you have. Um, so, like, you get in there, and, like, it's, it's almost like a war zone in there. Like, the bullets are flying, you're in the shit, and, uh, like... It's easy to uh, start reading the backs of name bars and the fact that uh, you've already r- raced more laps than just about everybody except for the three other guys that got in through the LCQ with you. So uh, it's a big ask. And then uh, to, to ride another 19, 20 laps sometimes uh, more than you're used to on a Saturday night uh, at, uh, at like, I, I imagine main event pace is as fast, if not faster than the heat race. So um, yeah, it, it's a big undertaking. And I think that uh, you're wise to uh, sort of take it incrementally. Uh, but I think that you can definitely get there. Um, uh, the speed that you showed during the, the year with uh, your qualifying and, and getting in the right spot, I think with uh, some added fitness, as well as uh, some of the, just some knowledge and, and sort of, uh, you're, you're a veteran in Supercross now. Uh, after uh, a few more uh, months of hauling brush, you might develop the muscles and the know-how to, uh, to, to, to make that next step forward for 2020. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, now that I, I know 
what to expect. I think it's going to be good because like I said, it took me, took me three seasons to figure out a rain across. Um, and then I finally started getting some better results and finally started feeling like I belonged up there. Um, so yeah, just knowing, knowing what to expect and knowing what I got coming. Um, I've, I've walked, I walked all the tracks this year. I know, know how the tracks are being built. I know how they break down and I'm going to be able to take that and, uh, you know, make my track at home a little better, a little more realistic, a little more, um, up to spec, I guess you'd say. Yep. Um, and yeah, I, like I said, it's, it's, I've got the speed I feel like, um, and I definitely think that there's more speed to come. Um, but yeah, just got to get all the pieces of the puzzle together and I think we'll be doing all right next year. Awesome, man. Well, uh, speaking of the, the qualifying, uh, and the, and the track prep, uh, a lot of times, uh, you guys go out there, um, like the, 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 the 250 B practice more often than not, the way the the qualifying scenario usually breaks down is uh you guys don't always get the the best sort of like the best shake if you will um often you guys are the first ones on the track if i'm not mistaken you're usually the first practice so the track has no lines in it so it's up to you guys to take that 10 minutes to put the lines in it and then often you guys are after the 250a practice in the second practice which is usually where the faster lines are and the track's a little bit more beat up so maybe talk about that a little bit and the challenges of the fact that uh, you've got to go set the race lines uh, with your first practice and then uh, your second practice is, is usually with the track a little bit more beat up and it's a little bit more difficult to lay down those, uh, those, la- those lap times. So on both ends, you're kind of, uh, you guys get kind of screwed. Exactly, yeah. It's kind of a double-edged sword. Um, I remember for Dallas, I was in the B practice and there was enough guys to have a C group out there. Yeah. So I was kind of expecting it to be a little different. And I watched, you know, you, we get out there for first practice and it's, it's nice to have a fresh track for, for free practice to right. be able to get, figure out all the rhythms and, you know, be able to go out there and blast the whoops before they're all nasty Yeah. Um, and get things figured out when it doesn't really matter. But then we come out for our second practice and it's all nasty and routed up. So it's a completely different track. Um, and it's hard for a privateer to get those practice conditions during the week. Right. Unless you're at a place like Club MX or, or somewhere like that where it's soft and, and you got a lot of guys on the track. Yeah, exactly. Um, like milestone just gets so blue grooved and pounded out. Same thing with Elsinore. Like those, those tracks are as much as it's good to ride supercross. Uh, I don't know if it totally prepares you, especially for the, how the tracks broke down this year. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, I've never once ridden either of those tracks. Fantastic. Um, on the West Coast. Um, and the East Coast, you you know how ruddy it gets and stuff like that with the soil being softer. Yeah. Um, so I I don't know. I took it, kind of took it how it was. And um, everybody's got to ride the same track, really. Um, but yeah, at Dallas was one of my, it kind of, I came to a realization like, man, um, some of those sea guys, they get the fresh track for the last round of practice. And that means that they already know the lines. They already know what, how the, how hard they need to hit everything and this and that. Um, so it all depends. Um, if you're, if there isn't a C group, then B practice isn't really all that bad, but if there is, then I'd say B practice gets screwed a little bit. Oh yeah. Um, and it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter for us because like I said, we all have to ride the same track. We all got to do the same jumps. Right. Right. We all got to hit the same whoops. 
Um, so we should be able to go out there and set a time no matter what as a professional. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I try not to complain or get too much in my head about that stuff because, uh, yeah, we're all on the same track. And when it comes to the night show, it doesn't really matter. Um, I think that, you know, once you get into the night show, it's it's all about a start and being able to to ride consistent laps. Um, so practice, I feel like, you know, no matter what, any of us should be able to go out and put down one fast lap um, and shouldn't have to worry about about where we make it into the night show because, like I said, it's we all got to ride the same track and it all ends up being a start and uh, uh, being able to be consistent when it comes to the heats and the LCQs. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and you got certainly got a few tastes of that this year once you're able to make it into those night shows. And, uh, but yeah, I, I think that there's, uh, as much as, uh, it is a slight disadvantage to have those practices where they're slotted. That's, that's the, the nature of the beast. And if you want to be in the A practice, yeah. you gotta, you gotta to take that next step. Um, once you exactly. were able to, uh, to make those night shows and the lights get turned on. Uh, how is riding at night and in that program and being one of the first, if not the second, uh, moto of the evening program? Uh, what, what's how, how does that differ from riding during the daytime? Uh, you'd mentioned that uh, the intensity definitely wicked up uh, with uh, basically uh, now you're out there with those a practice guys and uh, yeah, the lights are on, the fa- the fans are pumped, and uh, you also more more than likely you probably got to sit there uh, on the on the on the gate during opening ceremonies, which uh, at least for the first few rounds when you're there, is kind of cool. Yeah, it, uh, it's definitely different. I really liked the uh, outdoor stadiums. Um, the last few rounds, like uh, Nashville, yes. Denver, those were really cool to because uh, to, it ain't just lights shining in your face. You get the lights, and then you can see, like, the backdrops of the cities, and, you, you know, you got cool air coming in from the night. So it's just it's a little bit different than – yeah, being cooped up in a in a big stadium that's covered and um it's not as intimidating during practice, you know, there's people are in the stands but it's not the you know, the lights really aren't aren't full force and uh, the fans aren't aren't piling in quite yet. Um but it was really cool, yeah. I gotta gotta be down there for a couple of the opening ceremonies and it was um almost surreal at the moment because this is my first season, um, something that I've dreamt of since I was a little kid, six years old. Um, and yeah, it was just, uh, it was a really cool experience. Um, and you never really realize how much the actors go into it until you're down there on the line and you watch opening ceremonies go. So yeah, it was really cool. No doubt. Um, just getting back to the qualifying for a second. I remember a question that I wanted to ask you is, uh, like, Mo- to me, motocross is one of those beautiful sports where uh, pretty much everybody experiences it at a similar level as to say that like your fastest lap to you is similar to me as my fastest lap is to me when I'm like going as my, my regular B- B-level speed here in Manitoba, basically scaring the crap out of myself every time the bike gets sideways. Um, when you're throwing down your heater, like that fastest lap that you, you end up uh, submitting for your fastest lap is qualifying... Um, what's the comfort level for you? Uh, like, are you really pushing it to basically like maybe 
101% of what you're really capable of doing and maybe you get some close calls in there or like like how much of that is a, a little bit of a controlled burn that like say if you're uh, like kind of flirting with that uh, maximum speed or, or are you pushing it faster than you're even really comfortable with going? Yeah, you know, my buddies make fun of me a lot for that um, because I've never really been a practicer. Um, even in arena cross, I would, some of the nights that I had my best nights, I would be fifth. 10th and qualifying or something like that. Um, and they, they do compare it to, you know, I've got a couple, couple B riders, couple C rider buddies that, man, I just don't understand how you you're out there and you're pushing it that hard and, and this and that. And I said, well, you know, you guys, I'm sure you feel the same exact way. Um, just, it doesn't matter how fast you're going. It's, it's all about how you feel about it inside, you know? Yeah. Like to um, me, I'm going fast, but like, don't video it. Otherwise I'll have to do it in <laughs> slow-mo to show anyone. <laughs> yeah, but it, I, I'm a, I, my goal this season was to make it through completely healthy. And I know that if you get shitty on some of these tracks, man, you're really going to bite the dust hard. Um, so I try and keep it pretty controlled during qualifying. You know, it's still, we're still out there trying. We're still out there. You got to put down a heater. And when you do put down a heater, you're, you're trying hard. Um, but I, I'm more of a, I would say a, um, I'm not consistent as the word that I'm looking for, but controlled okay. um, and a more reserved rider in qualifying, you know, um, I'm, I'm, a am looking up at the board a lot. I'm checking to see where I'm at compared to other guys trying to think to myself, okay, I'm a little bit uncomfortable in this section. Where can I push harder on the other parts of the track to make that time up? Okay. Um, I really like whoops. I really, really, really like whoops. And not a lot of other riders do. Um, That's good. I think that part of that comes from my arena cross background. Um, so really this season, whoops were my main focus. There were some nights where I didn't even hit the triples in the rhythm sections and stuff like that. I was just scrub doubling. Um, so it, it's nice um, to be able to have one thing that you're really good at. Um, and to be able to kind of have that as a, a backup to where you can make up time, you know, because I feel like I, no matter what, I can always push harder in the whoops. Um, and that wasn't always the case with the rhythm sections. I'm not a, not much of a jumper, I guess you'd say. I mean, we still all got to do, do them out there, but yeah, I, uh, I would say that I'm a little bit more controlled and reserved, um, during qualifying, but once, once the night show comes around and, in the heat race, then it's time to really kind of put the blinders on and you can't really be scared at that time, I guess you'd say. So that's a whole different story. But yeah, during qualifying, I'd say that I'm a little, little more reserved. Absolutely. Forkner or some of those guys that are really, really pushing out there. I mean, it's a different story for them being at the level that they are, but yeah, I try and try and stay safe. I think I only hit the ground once or twice this season and I'm thankful for that. (laughs) No doubt. Any any time you hit the ground in the Supercross, even if it's a small tip over, it's usually uh, a, a dramatic one in the fact that uh, you guys are uh, basically competing at one of the most challenging sports, in my opinion, uh, on the face of the earth. But uh, and with, with that uh, first season in the rearview mirror, uh, what does the summer look like for you? I know uh, you'd mentioned that you've, you've tried outdoors. Uh, maybe you can get into uh, why it sort of isn't fiscally or just in general 
financially responsible to uh, to race the outdoors as a as a privateer, uh, especially if you're not uh, guaranteed uh, or really have a uh, a serious serious chance at uh, at making points in every moto. Uh, we can get into that a little bit, and also uh, because you're not going to be racing. Uh, uh, many if any uh outdoor races what will you be up to and uh yeah you just get into that a little bit yeah it's i mean unless you have somebody paying for your your license your entries your tires your fuel everything like that you're definitely digging yourself in a hole when it comes to outdoors yeah um i think what i think it's 465 bucks to make the top 40 make the fast 40 in the 250 class that doesn't even cover your license and a one entry fee. So um, it's sad to to be hearing that. You know, it's sad to to come to that realization. But right um, for, for me, I just struggle. I think outdoors with how rough the tracks get and how the B practice outdoors gets thrown into it in three foot of slop mud, and we're expected to go out there and set lines, and then we come out for our second practice and it's a completely different track three foot breaking bumps 50 foot long ruts you know stuff like that um and i'm yeah i'm just not i struggle with that type of stuff i'm not a bad rider not a bad outdoor rider at all but i'm just not as good as i am indoors with the more technical stuff um so yeah for me it just made a lot more sense to to stay on the indoor path um it was I think, you know, we almost make a thousand bucks for a night show indoors compared to 465 outdoors. And I don't know, it's probably like a couple extra hundred for that on top of that. If you have your contingency set up and everything like that. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me after changing or chasing it for two or three years. It's super fun. You know, the tracks are awesome. They're so much fun to ride. Um, and it's cool to, to ride some of the stuff that the greats have ridden over however long we've had pro motocross, 30 years, 40 years, whatever it is. It's really cool to be riding the same tracks that some of those guys have ridden. Yeah. Um, and it's super fun to, the, the atmosphere is awesome. You know, not a lot of things compare to an outdoor national when it comes to fans hanging over the fence and this, that, that type of stuff, you know, but, uh, yeah, this summer, I think. Instead of chasing them, probably just do Redbud and Millville since they're they're close to home. Um, my family likes to go and watch, so that's a good chance for them to come out and see what it's all about. Um, I think I'll probably just do some of those and or do those, and then we got a bunch of local fair races around here, county fair races in Iowa that actually pay pretty decent. Um, and if you're lucky, you don't really got to race a whole lot of people. You know, there can be joe schmo that shows up on a 2004 kx 250 or something like that you that's know? a good bike uh, don't don't you bag yeah, on a yeah, kx sure. 250 that thing's a no, good bike definitely not no not bagging on it but it, you know you just get some some guys who they show up and and they want to race in front of their crowd and they're yeah, at the yeah. county fair and it's nice to be able to go there and not really have to worry about a, the competition aspect there you go yeah um, just serve that guy his lunch he's just out there enjoying his kx 250 <laughs> yeah yeah and then you know, some of those play, some of those fairs have barrel races and stuff that you can do to win money as well. So, yeah, I'm gonna do some of those and then maybe try and do some some schools or classes at my track here back home. Okay. To maybe pad my pocket a little bit. 
um, yeah, really just I'm going to try and keep my cardio up, um, try and, or maybe work on, build my cardio up because of maybe the, the last few years I get done with Supercross or arena cross and I just want to chill for the summer. You know, it's yeah. a lot, it's very taxing on the body, the mind, the pocket, everything, everything, yeah. traveling a whole series. So I just want to chill, hang out with my friends, you know, drink some beers, whatever. And kind of, I've been maybe letting loose a little too much or letting myself go a little too much to where I've got to start it all over come October or September, whenever I need to get ready for supercross season. I've, you know, maybe I've started a little bit behind more than I should. So this year, I think I'm going to be a little bit more conscious about that. Try and get things rolling in August with my track, get my track all ready hundred percent in August and get my, get, you know, get my preseason preparation done September, October. And then once the cold weather comes in November, maybe go down to Oklahoma or South Carolina somewhere where I can, you know, really fine tune things and get, get really ready for the, the upcoming season. Absolutely. You need to stay off of the Josh Greco program of figuring out uh, when you're going to be racing or what you're going to be racing or how you're going to be getting there on like January 3rd, uh, the the week before uh, Anaheim, uh, and then try and sell as many tickets as you can to try and make your uh, entry fees. Uh, I love you, Josh, but uh, that, that needs to change. Um, but uh, yeah, no, like, like obviously living the life of, uh, of a privateer and, and, and enjoying it. Um, you can't not uh, to, uh, knock down a couple of beverages every once in a while and, and enjoy the whole process. Um, which brings me to my, my next question is, uh, how do uh, Supercross privateers do with the ladies? Ha <laughs> Oh, I've got a pretty, pretty good girlfriend right now. Okay. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Um, Maybe you can I, speak honestly, for others. Single, uh, I never had other experiences. Though. Never had much success. Okay. I never had a whole lot of success get, picking any ladies up with the the supercross card or anything like that. Like a lot of people think we do. Yeah. Um, because honestly, it's a little difficult to show up to a a city one night and get on Tinder and. Uh, <laughs> You know, you match with somebody, what do you say? Hey, hey, babe, come back to my, why don't you come back to my $30 Red Roof Inn sketchy hotel room for the night? And, yeah, that's what you tell them. Well, uh, you know, get down. <laughs> 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 um, I've never had a whole lot of success with that, but I do have a really good girlfriend right now, okay. Carly. Um, she keeps me grounded and, you know, she helps me out in any way that she can. So I'm pretty thankful for that. Fair enough. Then, uh, um, like, who who of all the, the like, your, the regular crew that you're, pitted with i'm sure that you got some some uh guys that you're usually at the track with who who's the smoothest with the ladies we know it's not david pulley oh um i would say man that hasn't not not a whole lot or he, he doesn't show up a whole lot for supercross but from outdoors last year i was traveling with with stank and uh gary my buddy gary and okay our buddy Lugnut, and gary was a ladies man and gary knew how to pull him in Wow, I, I, and, and polo. Stank pulls him in because Stank doesn't discriminate. I, I think we know that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. He Stank's a good guy, and he's got a good girl with him right now too. So yeah, yeah. but he definitely there isn't a whole lot of discrimination there for sure. No, he's it's uh, that's a uh, he he holds open court uh, pretty much any national that he hasn't when he's not held down 
by a good woman, but uh, maybe you can speak to that. I'm sure Carly is an amazing woman. I've got a great girlfriend in my life. She keeps me on the straight and narrow and uh, and, and keeps me going uh, week to week. How great is that to have a support system like that, a good girlfriend that uh, will uh, be that support system, encourage you when you need uh, some kick you in the ass when you need that, as well as, uh, yeah, just make things a little bit easier uh, week to week. Yeah, I've got a great family and a great girlfriend as well. My my family makes it great, whether it's my mom and dad showing up to the races on the weekend and bringing a cooler for lunch or snacks or whatever so I don't have to worry about going finding food for lunch in right. between qualifying. Um, Carly, she does a really great job of, you know, being there for me when I need to, when I'm frustrated or something's not going right. You know, she'll sit me down, tell me to take a deep breath. Um, but she also isn't so up my ass that she's being obnoxious. You know, she she knows when I need my my time to just sit there and think. Um, so that's nice. But yeah, she she'll definitely kick me in the ass if she knows that I need to get going or knows that I need to get my head out or anything like that. Um, so it's nice knowing that it's not just me who it's not just me that I've got to worry about. I'm not the only one worrying about myself. You know, I've got a couple other people, her and my mom and everybody who, you know, they know what I need, what I don't need. And they're there to you know, guide me if I ever get off the path. Well, there you go. And, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, your dad uh, filled in as mechanic for at least a couple of rounds this last Supercross season. Uh, I, th- I, I think I saw a picture of the two of you um, about to, to go into battle for, for the night show. That's got to be a pretty cool feeling, knowing that uh, your old man was likely uh, spinning the wrenches on... 50s, 60s, 65s, 85s, um, maybe a 125 at some point, and uh, a whole bunch of 250Fs over the years. Um, and uh, yeah, like, like just as, as a kid whose dad worked on his bikes and, and go into that stuff, like, I think that'd be a really cool moment, uh, regardless of the result to uh, like, like the the factories are there, all of the top pro, uh, top factory dudes are, are there, and you're also on the line uh, with your dad and stuff like that. That's going to be a cool feeling. Yeah, it really is. You know, I see pictures of me and him on the line uh, when I was on 50s. And when I started out riding, um, he got me my first bike just for me to ride around the farm here at home. You like know, it. It was, we, weren't, we weren't trying to race. We weren't expecting to race. Um, my mom was actually the one that entered me in my first race. Um, so it's cool to be able to share that with my family um, and see, you know, even though I'm not a factory guy and getting paid millions of dollars, it's cool to see all this all their hard work pay off because they sacrificed so much when I was a kid. And even like my first couple of years pro, they were the ones that were footing all the bills. Um, and now that I've got a couple of decent sponsors, really actually not decent. I've got a couple of really good sponsors um, that pretty much take care of everything. It's nice to be able to have them at the races with me and for them to just relax and know that it's not on them. It's not on their card. It's not in their checkbook, you know, um, it's nice to, to be down there with my dad and you know i think he thought it was really cool to look over and see see some of those factory bikes and just be like damn man you know we we made it um if you can consider it making it you know what i'm right. doing it'll, it'll be a little bit more it'll be a little bit better once i get into the main events um hell yeah but right now it's still cool 
Yeah, and and we'll invite you to come uh, talk about that when you do when you do in fact make that main event. Uh, and we really appreciate you making some time here on the, the Big MX Radio podcast. It's been a long time coming for me to uh, reach out and make it happen, and uh, that uh, was able to happen in no more than thirty minutes uh, after yeah. uh, after contacting you. So this this actually uh, uh, probably took took you by surprise uh, just in the last couple of hours. But either way, um, Mason, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, where can people follow along? Obviously, like yeah, you're, you're going into uh, maybe a quieter time of your, uh, as far as um, posting and, and posting about Supercrosses and stuff like that. But people still want to keep tabs on you. How do they follow along with your social media journey? And, uh, and also, how do they kind of support you? Because, uh, yeah, I think you're, you're about to get a little Big MX bump here uh, with uh, some, some, some new fans. Um, you know, you can follow me on Instagram at GoRideMX597, um, Mason Kerr on Facebook. Um, you probably shouldn't check out my Twitter. That's a little vulgar. Um, so are, That's good, though. Dirtier. Um, yeah, you guys can check me out on there, on Instagram. That's mainly, you know, that's the main platform. Um, yeah, I appreciate you giving me a call here. Um, I'd like to thank Mike Carey, Chicago's Own Time Courier, um cox concrete chauncey cox he helped me out a lot this season um j-dog salvage they helped me out a lot david richter um traction mx pete from traction mx he always keeps my seats hooked up there you go um who else real ink graphics dusty walker from real ink graphics he helped me out a lot this season um and my mom my dad my family my girlfriend Stank Dog, he gave me, you know, he had some insight. He helped me out a little bit this season. Just everybody, the everybody the program. I really appreciate it. Awesome, man. Well, like I said, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. If you haven't already done so, please uh, follow go ride mx 597 on instagram it's a great follow and uh and if and if you do like the uh, a little bit more colorful content maybe also follow mason on twitter because uh he, he we like to go back and forth sometimes on there as well but uh mason oh, yeah. it's been a pleasure to have you on the show don't oh, hang up one just more. yet oh go for it man one more justin haverlock from legacy Raceware. i forgot him heck yeah he kept me in fresh gear all season long love everybody it. go check them out Go check those guys out. Really appreciate the time, Mason. Don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there. All righty.